0: We are going to take uh, today and and at least the next couple Sundays talking about the life of Abraham. Uh, There's so much there, so I don't want to rush through this. We'll be in Genesis for a little while, but then other books, we may cover one book or more than one book in a Sunday. So that's just how it's going to work. Last Sunday, my dad kind of gave an aerial view of a whole lot of stuff. And I want to zoom in today on that sacrifice that he mentioned briefly from Genesis 15. And what I want to talk about today is four things Abraham had to do in response to the covenant God made with him. Four things Abraham had to do. And as we move through these simple four points today, I'd like for us to ask ourselves, okay, where am I? Where am I on this journey, Lord? I know you have a covenant promise for me. What is my part? Where am I? Where where am I in these four things that Abraham that you required from Abraham? What is it? Where it where am I in these four things? So, Genesis 15. We went over this last Sunday briefly and like I said, I just want to zoom in. And look at this uh, covenant. In the Hebrew, it actually says, you know, when you read in the English, it says God made a covenant. But in the Hebrew, the word is actually cut. God cut a covenant with Abraham. So, but before, actually, before we go to Exodus 15, let's look at God's call to Abraham. And this will be the first thing he had to do. That would be in Genesis 12, starting with the first verse. Genesis 12.1. Oops, I'm in Exodus. How did that happen? Genesis 12.1. Now the Lord said to Abram, at this point his, not, his name has not yet been changed to Abraham. That will happen later. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country. And that would be the very first thing he had to do. There may be some here who aren't even there yet. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And he doesn't even give Abraham the benefit of a preview. There's no trailer to watch for how God's going to bless him and make his life so successful. He doesn't say, I'm going to bring you to this place of instant success. There's nothing. He just says, I'm going to show you when you need to know. For now, you got to get out of where you are. We've been through this before. We saw it with Noah leaving the ark, leave the past. It's the same call throughout the Word of God. You can't go to where you're going until you leave where you are. It's pretty pretty logical. So God says, Get out of your country from your family. Now, He's not asking you to leave your family. Let me be clear. This speaks spiritually of your past, where you are stuck. The stories, the hurts, the grievances that Satan would love to use to keep you stuck. There is a therapeutic place for working through your past, but God never wants us to stay there. At some point, he says, get out. <laughs> Come on. There's a place I want to show you, and it's beyond your wildest imagination. And no, I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. That's usually how he works and that's why we call it a walk of faith so God says get out I will and then verse two he says I will make you a great nation I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing see God doesn't just bless you to bless you he blesses you to make you a blessing to others I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I have a friend who always, he always, he's asked this for years. How come the Jews are God's favorite? I always say they're not. He blessed Abraham. He blessed that nation so that they would, with the intent that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. But he works through people. That's just how he works. So we picked Abraham and his descendants. So there is the call. It says, Abraham, verse 4, departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. That's his nephew. He was 75 years old. It's never too late to answer the call of God on your life. It's never too late. 75 years old. He took his wife, his nephew, and all their possessions that they had, and they left they took everything they had acquired in Haran and they parted to go to the land of Canaan. It was a pagan nation, but it was the place of his inheritance. And we'll we'll get into that later on. And in Hebrews 11, when it mentions Abraham following the call of God, it says he went out not knowing where he was going. But he looked to to, uh, God, who God knew. God knew where he was going to bring him. So there's the first thing, get out, first point. That's the first thing David had, uh, Abraham had to do in response to the call, the covenant, the promise of God. Get out, leave the thing, leave the past behind, and remember now, we're always connecting the dots. We are always connecting the Old Testament to the New. Philippians 3.13, in the New Testament, Paul says, brethren, Philippians 3.13, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't arrived yet, but... One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You know, sometimes we have, some of us have to forget those things that are 10 years behind, 40 years behind, but sometimes I have to forget the things that are 10 minutes behind. Anybody? (laughs) Doesn't Satan love to hold the recent past over your head? Look how you just acted. You have no business calling yourself a child of God. This one thing I do. Now, let, this is not licensed to just excuse our behavior. This is the freedom and the legal right to say, God, I live in a state of eternal redemption where there's this constant flow of redemption. And if my heart is repentant, if I want to follow the Lord with all of my heart, then he doesn't see that mistake. We're going to get into that uh, probably next week when we talk about this. Well, we'll talk about that next week. Philippians 3.13. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, recent past or past past, and I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. That's what Abraham had to do. Get out. Verse 14, Philippians 3.14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God and Christ Jesus. And if you keep reading in Philippians, you realize what's that prize? What's that goal? It's knowing him. That's the goal. Because when you know him intimately and personally, he, you take on his identity, you start to act like him. Don't we act like, don't we kind of like start acting like the people we're closest to? They rub off on us. So that's the goal. Uh, There's another place, um, come out from among them. This is in Isaiah. I don't remember the chapter. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. There's there's another dot we can connect with Isaiah the prophet. So the, the first point is, Come out, whatever that means for your life today, whatever you need to get out from, come out. And then, so now let's go to Genesis 15, and we'll look at the next three things Abraham had to do. Genesis 15. We touched on this last week. I want to zoom in on it now. Genesis 15. Uh, let's look at the rest of the promise. God says, "I'm going to make from you a great nation." All the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Genesis 15, 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Don't be afraid. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. You kind of need to know that if God is calling you into a strange place and you don't have the full picture. Abraham needed to know this. And then Abraham says, Well, I'm childless. How is this going to work? How can I possibly father a great nation when I have no child? God makes him a promise, and verse 4, we'll talk more about this later, one from your own body is going to be your heir, and then God says to Abraham, look toward the heaven and count the stars. If you are able to number them, so shall your descendants be. Verse 6 is pivotal. Genesis fifteen six says, Abram believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. We're going to go more into that later on. That's a very powerful truth. But now I want to focus for, the, for uh, these next three points on these next verses. Verse 7, Genesis 15, 7. Then God said to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur, brought you out. See, God wants to bring you out of somewhere, but you got to go out. He doesn't force his will on anyone. I brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And Abraham said, Lord God, how shall I know? that I will inherit it. God, how do I know? How do I know that your word is true, that you actually have my best interest at heart, that you have a future and a hope for me? I hear that in church. I hear we sing it, but God, how do I actually really know that you are my hope, my only hope? How do I know? It's a fair question. It's a fair question. He's never met God in this way. This is new to poor Abraham. How do I know? You ever ask that? It's a fair question. The way God answers him is so strange. Let's look at it. Verse 9, God says, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him, and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. The second point, the second thing that Abraham had to do was bring the sacrifice. He himself had to go get those animals and bring them and provide them. This was a very common ancient practice not just in ancient Israel, but in the ancient world, when an agreement was made between two equal parties, they would cut animals down the middle, and the two parties on either side of the contract would walk through these animals. And the message was, if I don't keep my part of this agreement, may I become like these slaughtered animals. That, that was the message. So he knew what was going on. It actually, it's strange to us. It wasn't strange to him. The second point today is Abraham had to bring the sacrifice. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? Start by bringing yourself, offering yourself a sacrifice to him. He'll show you. He will reveal his will to anyone who's obedient. That's how it works. Jesus says, um, he who wills to do my will 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 know the doctrine, whether it is from the Father or not. And so there's the second step. You get out from where God has called you, number one. Number two, we present our lives, our whole entire lives. These animals, the whole entire thing was there, not just the parts. Symbolic of us bringing ourselves before the Lord. My life is yours. My past, my present, my future, every part of my life every part of my life, my job, this career, these neighbors, this family, this spouse, these children, my money, my account, my 401k, every part is yours. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. That is the connecting of the dots. That's the fulfillment. That is number two. Abraham himself had to bring the sacrifice. And then there's a third thing he had to do. Verse 11, Genesis 15, 11 says, When the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So, so simple. Vultures do not sound like a positive to me. These are not doves fluttering over the sacrifice. We know what vultures do. What were they wanting to do had he not kept them away? They would have devoured the sacrifice. Vultures are distractions. Every kind of distraction, whether it's a demonic distraction or just just a distraction, just an everyday distraction, there is always some kind of spiritual vulture hovering over the sacrifice that is your life that would tempt you to say, it's not worth it. Take a little bit back. You don't have to give all of your life to God. We never consciously think those thoughts but distractions bombard you and me every single day. And we need to understand they are vultures and they are there to remove the sacrifice and break the covenant that God would establish with us. Now we're going it's him, he keeps he keeps it. We're going to get to that. But we've got a part to play. And Abraham was instructed to keep away. It says the vultures came down and Abram drove them away. He had to drive those things away. Can you imagine? These were tenacious, vicious critters. Mark 4.18 is the story of the parable of the sower. You might be familiar with it. And Jesus tells this story, it's a parable about, he says, in Mark 4.18, he says, there are ones that sow seeds among the thorns, and the th- these are people who hear the word, oh, that's a great sermon, hallelujah, that's a great sermon I heard at church today, and the cares of this world, and deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches. Vultures, not evil in themselves, but a distraction that will hinder you from being the living sacrifice God has required of you. We all have responsibilities. We all do. We have responsibilities that weigh on us, and if we're not careful to protect the sacrifice that is our life offered to God First, priority, Father, here I am. I've got this list of things to do today, but I have given myself to you and I present myself to you once again as a living sacrifice. This time every single day is yours and I'm here before you. I'm listening, letting you love me, listening to your voice, listening to what you say about me. I'm here cultivating this time with you You drive away the vultures, and you will have that, and you will be continually that living sacrifice. And God will do something with that. God will do something with that. But too many people in the church, too many people are content with the vultures. Eh, too bad. That vulture just came and took away that that sacrifice. Oh, well, it's all right. I don't have time anyway. I don't have time to gather with God's people. I don't have time to get into the word. I'm too busy. Vultures. So, that's the third thing Abraham had to do was drive the vultures away. Hebrews 12:14, here's another kind of a distraction really quick. Hebrews because it's not just the responsibilities, it's not just the burdens and the pressures and the riches and all this stuff. It is also this. Hebrews 12:14 says, "Pursue peace with all people and holiness" without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully, lest any vulture, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many, many people around you will be affected. Many become... That's another kind of vulture. Those offenses that just spring up out of nowhere, we got to drive them away. They will, rob, they will rob the sacrifice. Finally, last point this morning, then we're going to go to communion after this. Verse 12 says, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. God was showing him, and then God tells him what's going to happen to his descendants, how they're going to be slaves for 400 years. God's cluing him in to what's going to happen to them in Egypt, when they go into Egypt to become slaves. But it says, in the fourth generation, they shall return here. Uh, the fourth thing, but I want to go back to verse 12. It says, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. The fourth thing is rest. You notice, this is not the normal covenant cutting of the ancient world. I'm sure Abram was probably waiting for, you know, the, the cue to start walking through those pieces. Okay, God's here. I'm going to keep my part of this covenant. And, and he's, we're, we're, we're making this agreement now. I'm signing this contract with God. And I'm letting God know that if I I mess up, then then he can go ahead and just, like, like, move on. God never did that. He put Abram to sleep. And that is because he was the only one in this covenant who walked through those pieces while Abram slept. It's called resting in the finished work of the cross. And there's the final dot, resting and the finished work of the cross. The blood of Jesus on the cross is enough to cover all of my sins, past, present, and future. Nothing but nothing but nothing can break this covenant. He's the only one who passed through those animal pieces. Let's read about it. It came to pass, verse 17, when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch. This oven would have been more like a clay pot that passed between those pieces. This is God. This is God. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant to Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Etc., etc., and all these nations. God has an inheritance for you right now and in eternity. He has abundant life for you that begins right now. That's His covenant promise. And He alone, when Jesus was there hanging on that cross, that sacrifice. Pouring out his shed blood for you. That sacrifice on the cross that was ripped apart, torn apart. Only God and God alone by his spirit was there at the cross. Passing, hovering over that body. I am keeping this covenant. All you need to do, you get out from where you've been. Now you present yourself to me because I can take your life and do something with it. You keep away the distractions, and you live in a state of resting in the finished work of the cross. It's my covenant to keep. It's extraordinary. It's the only time you ever see this happening with this kind of covenant in Scripture. It's mentioned in Jeremiah, but this was extraordinary that God himself was the only one who walked through those pieces. I am the one that's going to keep this covenant. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, Jude 1, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2:13 2, he says Timothy if we are faithless he remains faithful he cannot deny himself connecting the dots once more Jesus too had to get out he left his home in glory all the riches and glories of heaven, he left behind to come and walk this earth as one of us. And he presented himself before God, his father, every single day as a living sacrifice until he was ultimately the sacrifice pouring out his blood, it says. It says in Isaiah fifty three twelve, he poured out his soul unto death for you and for me. Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. This is the final connecting of the dot. This is the sacrifice. Bruised for our iniquities so that the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus, too, experienced the greatest horror and great darkness a human could ever experience when he tasted death. For every man, as it says in Hebrews 2.9, Jesus literally went to hell and back for you and me so that we never have to go there if we say yes to him. Amen. God wants us to get out from where we've been, to present ourselves a living sacrifice every single day, to drive away the distractions that would rob that sacrifice and to rest in the finished work of the cross because he is the Savior. He is the Savior. His grace is sufficient. We rest and we keep away the distractions. We rest Thank you, Lord. Your grace is sufficient. I am not condemned. I'm just going to keep these distractions away, including the voices that would say otherwise. I'm going to drive away those vultures, and I'm going to rest because this is your work. This is your work of salvation. He alone, he alone is the Savior. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask, Barry, could I call on you and Chris? Uh, to come and distribute the elements of communion. And uh, maybe, Dave, if you could dim the lights, and I would like to just, while they are distributing these elements, I'd like to just give you a moment to bring this before the Lord. And maybe he's speaking to you today. Maybe there's a place you've been. That God is saying, you've been there enough? Been with these people, this person enough? Been in this place enough? Maybe it's even a spiritual place. Been stuck long enough. It's time to get out. Once and for all. Maybe God is speaking to you that today is the day to give your all to him. A living sacrifice 100%. Maybe that's where you are today in, this, in these four points. Maybe God is speaking to you about distractions. What are the vultures in your life, the things that have robbed you from this covenant of promise that God has for your life so that you are not truly living a sacrifice that he wants you to live? Maybe you've got some vultures that need to be driven away today offenses, cares, and finally, as we partake of these communion elements t- together, we can be reminded that this is our rest. He did the work. He, uh, our life as a living sacrifice is just a reflection of his finished work on the cross. Jesus, you gave for life, your whole life for me. How would I not give my life to you? How can I not offer myself freely to you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. In Luke chapter 22, I'm going to start reading with verse 14. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to just read these six verses. It covers the bread and the cup. And then we're going to partake of those together. And I will let you know when after I read this passage. Luke 22, verse 14 says, When the hour had come, he sat down, that is Jesus, and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks, and said, Take this, and divide it among yourselves, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and he gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This, I can never read this without. I just can't. This is my body that was broken for you. That will change your life. If you believe he was broken for you, you don't have to be broken anymore. I'm telling you. I'll say it again. If you believe he was broken for you, you don't have to be broken anymore. You're either going to believe it or you're not. I cannot give revelation to your heart but the Holy Spirit can. This is my body, which is given for you. Another place it says broken. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's just do that together. goes on to say in verse 20 Luke twenty two twenty, 20 it says likewise he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant it's the fulfillment, the fulfillment of that covenant we read about in Genesis this is the new covenant and my blood which is shed for you if you believe that take it with me Father, I thank you for your word that speaks to us from Genesis to Revelation. I pray that you would bring many into rest today, into that deep spiritual sleep that says, "I don't have to. I, I don't have to um, wallow in the past anymore. I don't have to struggle with who I am anymore." I am at rest in the finished work of the cross because his body and his blood is sufficient to cover, to atone, that's the word, to atone for my sin. And the same grace that saved me on the cross 2,000 years ago is the same grace that saves me today and will save me tomorrow and the next day and the next day so long as I say, yes, yes, Lord, I agree. I agree. It's your work. You are doing the work of saving me every single day, and I rest in that. It's a powerful, powerful name, the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to close by just going to the piano. I I'm praying for a pianist. (laughs) I would love to have someone to be able to come and just play, but God knows what we need. I pray all the time. Send us who we need to make us the church you want us to be. I'm going to go to the piano and just um, worship. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, okay. Well, that was a quick answer to prayer. (laughs) You never know. When God is listening, he hears the cry of your heart. If you want to just sit with this truth and and make a fresh commitment to the Lord. This is your place. Otherwise, you are free to be very quietly and reverently dismissed, but I just want to leave this atmosphere here right now for you to just um, sit with this truth. Amen. I also want to say, if you want special prayer, we have a front row here that's completely empty. Please come up and we will pray for you, okay? We've got prayer warriors who will come and pray for you. If you need prayer, come on up for prayer.